So a really good question came in from CC on our comments section uh, on one of the videos that we posted. Um, and it has to do with the question of curses and the Christian. Is a Christian under a curse or did Christ uh, remove all of that from us and that kind of thing? Well, uh, it's a good question. Why don't we uh, maybe start by talking about what we mean by what we when we talk about the curse. Um, the world is still under the curse of sin, you know, in the sense that it's a fallen world. Uh, Christ, on the other hand, and I'll invite you to turn to Galatians chapter 3, uh, where it speaks to this a little bit. But there are adverse circumstances and conditions of the world today that still are under the curse. Uh, matter of fact, one day, the Bible tells us that even the creation itself will experience the redemption uh, that was ultimately afforded by Christ at the cross in that. So there is one level at which we still live in a fallen world, and so the curse still exists in that sense. However, are believers under the curse? Well, if what we mean is uh, that we're living still in a fallen world, well, clearly we are. Uh, our circumstances oftentimes are no different than unbelievers' uh, circumstances. It's just how we uh, the vantage point from which we approach those things. You know, we are redeemed, we are bought and paid for, we know the future uh, that ultimately lies ahead for us, being in the presence of God. We know that um, as bad as it ever gets on earth, you know, there's 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 a shelf life to that. You know, there's an expiration date. And one day we'll be with the Lord. And so we experience the effects of the curse, much like any other person does, believer or not. However, um, you and I as, as believers are not under the curse any longer. In other words, we are no longer uh, under or living with the expectation of experiencing the consequences of our sin and of the fallen creation in that. We, as believers who are under the blood of Christ, who have been bought and paid for by his finished offering, are free from that curse in the ultimate sense of it. Not from the day-to-day -day experiencing of a fallen world, but in terms of the end game, we are absolutely free of what that curse brings about. And here's where Paul talks of this a little bit uh, in regard to the question of the curse in that. Uh, verse 12, um, or verse 13 really, is where Paul in chapter 3 of Galatians says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Now there's quite a bit there, but let me just kind of uh, touch on this element of the curse and why we are in fact freed from it and what that even means. Again, we're, the idea is that we are not necessarily free from the experience of a world that is under the curse or has fallen but we are no longer bound by the consequences ultimately, in the ultimate sense, of what the curse brings, because Christ took that upon himself. Um, we want to make sure we understand that when it says that Christ became the curse for us, um, what it means is that he took upon himself all that was rightfully ours, all the weight of the law, all the weight of the fallen world under the curse, took that upon his shoulders, and that's why. We are redeemed. The creation one day will be redeemed. The, the Bible says that all of creation groans waiting for the, um, uh, you know, for the redemption and such and the purchased, uh, you know, the, the purchased possession to be taken hold of again. And so in that, we need to understand that. Now, can a Christian, you know, be cursed by someone else or any of those kinds of things? Um, on the one hand, we don't want to sort of fall to superstitions and feel like, you know, somebody with a 
you know, lays a curse on somebody that suddenly now we're subject to that by, you know, the Bible says greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world. The only thing that is allowed into a Christian's life or anyone's life for that matter is what God allows in. And so as believers, we recognize that though the world is clearly against us, the God of this age is clearly trying to undermine uh, and trip up at every turn any of God's children. Um, still greater, of course, is the Lord himself, who now dwells within us. The Holy Spirit dwells within us. And so therefore, we don't have to fear uh, what man does to us. We don't even have to fear, uh, um, you know, what Satan may want to do, because ultimately, we stand behind the captain of the Lord's host. We stand behind and protected by, as our front and rear guard, rear guard uh, the Lord himself. And so, um, so when it comes to those kinds of questions, uh, sometimes they are born sort of out of a, an almost more superstitious kind of a sense of what that curse could be about. The Bible speaks very clearly about what that curse is about, and we are now redeemed from it. And so we don't have to worry about falling under that. Now, that leads uh, to the next question, um, and that has to do with the idea, um, do we think that, um, uh, do we still believe, uh, or do I believe, I guess, but I would, I would uh, uh, do you believe in the healing and casting out of demons today? Uh, yes. Yes, I do. Uh, I, and the reason I say that is because I don't see anywhere in scripture where it says that's not going to be the case. Um, certainly demonic activity is prevalent today. Uh, like it was then, uh, like it always has been. Um, you know, there's going to come a time when supernatural demonic activity uh, under the, during the, the Great Tribulation and such is going to be massive and hugely pervasive. Um, you know, uh, some even go as far. Uh, you know, I, I don't listen to him a lot, but I'm aware of, uh, for example, like Eli Marzuli, for example, who speaks about uh, who takes when Jesus said that as it would, was in the days of Noah, so shall it be when the coming of the Son of Man. He would take that not just in what Jesus describes as eating and drinking and being married and given in marriage and such, but since in the days of Noah there were the Nephilim and they were active in, in regard to um, literally demon seed and that kind of thing, and as they cohabitated with women and that, he tends to think that this will also happen again in the last days. I don't know whether that's true or not, but I certainly would, would agree that there's going to be a very strong demonic element to what happens in the last days. So why would we not think that's there? Now, in terms of casting out demons, in terms of uh, healings and such, sure, why not? Uh, let's talk about healings for a moment. We clearly see that throughout the uh, book of Acts in the first century. We see that happening among believers. We, there are reports of healings taking place today. There are those who would point to, uh, and I guess you could turn to this too, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, or uh, not 15, but uh, 13, where uh, Paul is talking about uh, the greatest thing being love, uh, of all faith, hope, and love of these three, but, um, um, you know, um, but the greatest of these is love. Uh, well, in, um, in, uh, uh, in that passage here, just uh, right after he says that, in verse 8, he says, uh, love never fails or never ends. But as for prophecies, they'll pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. But we know in part and prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. And so some have taken that passage to mean, um, or to take in the, the idea of that which is perfect has come as referring to the completed canon of Scripture. Now, 
I didn't see that anywhere in the passage, and I'm being a little facetious. The passage doesn't speak of the, the word of God being in view as that which is perfect coming. Um, now, arguments are made as to why that perspective would be the right one. I disagree. I, I think that the scriptures um, really don't put a... Uh, the only point at which those things will no longer be, if you want to say needed, or even just be on the scene as gifts from God to use in, in terms of uh, gospel ministry and stuff would be when Christ returns or snatches us away and that period of time ends then in the end. But in our day, there's no reason to think that those things have ended. And so healings, miracles, those kinds of things, I think are, are for today. I'm, I'm a believer in the, uh, in, in the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit through the gifts of the Holy Spirit as described in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, Romans and other places. So, uh, and where we see it throughout the book of Acts, I don't think there's a reason, biblically speaking, to say that those things ended and are not around today. Uh, does that mean that, um, that there aren't counterfeit examples of this out there? Tongues, for example, being one of those things. Well, of course there are counterfeits. Um, but that doesn't mean there's not a real expression of it today. And so when it comes to those kinds of things, absolutely. And I think when someone is sick, we should pray for the sick. We should, as James said, anoint them with oil, call the elders together, anoint with oil, and pray for the sick that they might be healed, and the firm and effective uh, prayer of a righteous man avails much. I think that that is for today just as much as it was then. Now, what about demon possession and exorcism? Well, we see examples of this clearly in the book of Acts. We see the seven sons of Sceva that uh, are trying to cast out demons in the uh, in, the, in the name of the Jesus that Paul preaches. And, and of course, it's, it's almost humorous the way these demons speak to these um, these would-be exorcists and say, well, no, Jesus, I know, and Paul I've heard of, but who are you? And they end up beating, literally beating the pants off these guys. And so then, of course, there's uh, this demon-possessed girl who's following Paul around and advertising his meetings in Acts uh, 16, Acts 16, where um, she's going around and, and she's clearly possessed of a demon, but she's advertising Paul's you know, being of, of the Lord and everything. Essentially bad press. You know, you don't really want that following you around as a servant of God. So Paul turns around and rebukes this demon, casts it out of her, and she's freed from it. Um, well, you know, again, there's no, there's no place in Scripture where it says that's not going to happen after the first century ends. So I think we sort of are unwise to presume that the enemy is not still working in some of these ways today. And we want to be mindful of that. As a matter of fact, Jesus himself, in talking to the disciples, um, in, uh, here we go, in, in uh, not Acts, but Matthew chapter 17, um, here in verse 14, now when they came to the crowd, the man came to him and kneeling before him said, Lord, have mercy on my son. For he's an epileptic, and he suffers terribly. For often he falls into the fire, and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, and they could not heal him. And Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? And how long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon. Now remember, there was this sense that what he was experiencing was a medical phenomenon, when in fact it was a spiritual phenomenon. And Jesus rebukes the spiritual phenomenon. He calls out the demon. I cast him out of him, and the boy was healed instantly. And the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, Because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, Be uh, moved from here and there, 
uh, to there, and it will move, for nothing will be impossible for you. Um, now, in some of the manuscripts, uh, there's also the addition there that this t- this kind only comes out by prayer and by fasting. Um, now, I would suggest that um, you know, again, some of the manuscripts do say that, and so I'm 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 prone to thinking there's validity to the fact that Jesus said those things. Now, in in regard to prayer and fasting, to be prepared to cast out a demon should it ever happen, or for for that matter, any spiritual work of ministry. But in this particular extreme kind of a case where there was literally a demonic entity that had possessed a boy and the disciples could not cast him out, Jesus cast him out and says it's because of your little faith and potentially also because there is a need for consistent prayer and fasting in order to be sort of prepared for those incidents when they come. Now, of course, there would have been no time to fast. Certainly it was time to pray. And so prayer becomes a, a spiritual weapon to ultimately bring down strongholds. But fasting is also potentially, again, if Jesus said that, then fasting is also included in that uh, as a means of denying of the self and, and allowing the Lord to, to work in your in your spiritual life and this kind of thing. That's considered a regular part uh, of the ministry. And so there's potentially, again, if Jesus did in fact say that, the idea would be that as a general practice, you are submitting yourself to the Lord in this, just crucifying the flesh essentially, that you might be prepared when those opportunities and, and times come because you never know when they're going to be. So therefore, prayer and fasting should be a regular part of our lives. That would be the general sense of understanding if Jesus did in fact say that. But the point I, I would make kind of coming back around is that in the time of Jesus, clearly there was a lot of that activity. In the book of Acts, clearly there was a lot of that activity. There's no real sense that that's going to stop in the years to come following that. So, um, yes, I would say I do believe that that does happen today. And, of course, you could point to reports of this kind of ministry taking place uh, in places around the world. Now, I would say that there is um, a tendency to sort of write off the possibility of those things because of this circus kind of atmosphere that generally follows this kind of thing or this or, or the purported versions of this kind of thing. Uh, you'll see some of these quote-unquote faith teachers on TV just screaming at demons and waving jackets around and claiming the blood of Jesus to get rid of demons, and they're sort of making a real show of it, a circus act kind of a thing. Uh, I would I would tend to imagine that it's God's grace that doesn't allow some of these demons to treat these guys like the demons did with the seven sons of Sceva and Acts. But we should not necessarily think, because there are these guys out here that are playing on this in order to seem super powerful spiritually and this kind of thing, uh, even though we should write them off pretty much as being just, again, con artists, to say that the real thing doesn't happen, from a biblical perspective, I don't think you can find a very strong case for that. And so I would rather be on the side of knowing that it's possible that it can still happen in our day, even though I've never personally seen it. Um, I wouldn't write it off. But I would instead just pray that if it ever happened in front of me and I was in a circumstance where I could be called upon to, you know, like Paul or any of the others who we see doing, dealing with this, would by the grace of God have the fortitude to trust in the Lord in that moment and in Jesus' name cast this thing out. So, um, so yeah, I, I don't think we need to be looking for demons under every rock, but we also ought to not think that somehow they're not active in our day and will not become even more active in the days leading up to the arrival of Antichrist and in his time and such, clearly a lot of supernatural activity happening around him. 
So anyway, so I, I, I don't think a, uh, there's a reason to believe that it's not around today. But do we need to fear it? No, for the same thing we said earlier, because greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. You and I are bought and paid for by the blood, by the blood of Christ. We walk in the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit is, is present at any time that God deems it. Uh, deems to that 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 he would move that way and and such. So we should rather than think it's not for today, just pray that the Lord would be gracious that we never have to face that kind of thing. But if we do, that he would give us uh, the grace, the strength, and the faith to deal with that in the moment. So uh, hopefully that answers your question a little bit. If you have any thoughts or questions or anything like that, you can always feel free to share those things on our comment section. Uh, as you can tell, we sometimes will answer those things. They become good, you know, some of these questions that come through are probably thought of by others as well. So we like to take those and go ahead and address them. So go ahead and feel free to share that. You can also go to my website at parsonspad.com and you can go to our church's website at calvarychapelfranklin.com and you can connect with us that way as well and find out, uh, you know, our meeting times and all that kind of stuff so you can join us. We'd love to have you come pay us a visit. So um, thanks for watching. I uh, appreciate you spending time and, and just uh, taking time to go through this stuff and, and, and come together for this. So praise the Lord. Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for the faith that you give us in moments of, of tremendous trial, that, Lord, you help us to trust you in those moments, and we, in turn, get to see you do amazing things. And so, Father, we... Um, we pray for, uh, you know, for, for any today, whoever find themselves in a circumstance like we've been talking about, that they would trust you in that moment and that you would show up in such a way as to make your name great and be glorified in the casting out of such evil. Father, we also thank you for your love for us. We thank you that we don't have to be afraid of curses and people that uh, want to curse us or any of this kind of thing. We thank you that we are redeemed from the curse, first and foremost, and that there is a an eternity that awaits us because this curse has now been reversed uh, because of the finished work of Christ on the cross. One day we'll see it in all of its full expression, but even for now we can walk in faith and confidence knowing that Jesus has overcome, and so therefore we can walk with confidence knowing we'll see him one day. Thank you, Lord, for your love, again, your grace, your mercy and such, and all of the wonderful blessings that follow uh, a believer who follows you. Thank you, Lord. We love you and thank you for all of this. In Jesus' name, amen.